0: Good morning. How y'all doing today? That was kind of lame. Come on, help me out a little bit. Gee, uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, I was kind of like Jesse. It felt good today. There's just something extra. I don't know what about today that made me glad to be here and glad to be with you. So uh, thanks so much for celebrating with us today. I, you know, I got to tell you something. This was so cool. So I'm sitting down here uh, in uh, on the front row next to my wife, and I get this text, and it says, I'm "Praying for you, Pastor John. May our Lord." Jesus, keep on blessing you. Thank you for all you do. And this was from one of uh, the owners and, and chief cook of one of our favorite restaurants, Cedar Palace, on, uh, I don't know if you guys ever go to an Armitage, right across from Lincoln Park High School. We've held some events there. I mean, on a Sunday morning, she's texting me just saying, I hope God blesses you. I don't, that, like, really warmed my heart. And, of course, makes me want to go to that restaurant all the time, too. And you should, too. Uh, and that was not really a commercial. It's like, when do you ever get, like, a text, though, from a restaurant owner on a Sunday morning saying, hey, I hope God just keeps blessing you. That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, today is the last week in our series, Becoming Like Jesus. Becoming Like Jesus. Not exactly the most original title for a series, but I love how it speaks to exactly what we want to be about right here at Community becoming like Jesus. And we've been challenged to be deeply formed into the image of Jesus, just to become more and more like Him. This is also the last day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, I don't know how many of you have participated in this in, in various forms. We didn't put many parameters on it. We just said, hey, whatever's going to draw you closer to God, do that. And so I gave up a TV, which was uh, good for a lot of reasons. Um, went to bed earlier quite a bit this past uh, three weeks that I had before. Uh, I gave up everything except Chicago Bulls games which honestly haven't been worth watching the last couple of weeks anyway so I probably should just given up that but then I also cut out social media and I gotta tell you I I do spend a little bit of time on Facebook and and Instagram mostly and uh, what I found about that is I actually think it did reduce some like anxiety that I didn't even know um, it was causing and so I'm really wrestling with that and 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 how to kind of I don't know go back into it, yes or no, how often, what that might look like. But all in all, I think both of those fasts really did open me up increasingly more to the presence of God, which is what fasting is all about anyway. So I hope it's been good for you. Today's the last day, and if you haven't been eating or doing something, tomorrow you can not really do whatever you want. That seems like the opposite of the point, isn't it? But you know what I mean. Um, Our prayer for this series and for these last 21 days has been that we would experience the deep transformation that God so wants for all of us. Um, that we would be, as we've been saying, based on this book, Deeply Formed by Rich Velotus, which is a great book if you don't have it. He says, we don't want to settle for being shallowly shaped. We want to be deeply formed. Right? We don't want to settle for being shallowly shaped. We want to be deeply formed. Or as the Apostle Paul states, that Christ is formed in you. And so as we finish these 21 days, I think we're left with this question, okay? How do we continue to move forward in our transformation? Right? I mean, if 21 days were only 21 days, that's great, but the question now is how do we not revert back? How do we, you know, not go back to the way we were? All right, so here's my hypothesis, all right? Here's my hypothesis. Um, I would say actively living out the mission of helping people find their way back to God may be the single greatest catalyst for ongoing transformation. I would say actively living, actively living out the mission of helping people find their way back to God may be the greatest catalyst for ongoing transformation. Now stay with me on that for a little bit, okay? See, while, while Jesus was on earth, he invited a small group of people to follow him. Uh, he was their teacher, right? And, and they were his apprentices. And he was preparing them to take the good news of his kingdom to, as he put it, the ends of the earth. And he wanted them to be deeply formed in his image, And so how does Jesus train them? Did you ever think about that? How did he equip them? How did he prepare them? He doesn't give them all kinds of classroom time or sign them up for a webinar. No. What does he do? He actually sends them out to be on mission. And if you look at Luke, the doctor's account of Jesus' life and ministry, he writes this. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, remember, see, these 12 disciples are average, everyday people. Fishermen, tax collectors, unknown, inexperienced. And at this point, I mean, they've hardly spent any time with Jesus. I mean, they haven't read any books, they haven't gone to any seminary classes, and yet Jesus says to them, go. He sends them out to share the good news that the lost will be found, the lonely will find community, right? The disenfranchised, the marginalized will be restored. And to me, this brings up a really important question. Were they ready for this? (laughs) Were they ready for it? And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. No, they weren't ready for it. I mean, something you'll notice as you read these stories of Jesus and his disciples is that they don't have it all figured out. They often miss the mark. Uh, For example, when they return from this adventure that Jesus just sent them on, they begin swapping stories with, with each other about how God used them to share the good news of the kingdom. They even talk about how God used them to heal people of diseases. And then, after hearing the report, Jesus tries to get them away in private, okay, so that they can debrief even deeper what they experienced. But then, this huge crowd of about 5,000 people start following them. And this crowd follows them like almost all day into the evening. And so, naturally, these people's stomachs start saying, Hey, we need some dinner. And so, the disciples encourage Jesus, Well, we able to send this crowd away so they can find some food, right? Seems like a pretty reasonable suggestion. After all, how could they possibly feed this massive crowd? The disciples, right? But see, Jesus sees things differently and he replies to the disciples, you feed them. You feed them. Wouldn't you love to look, know the look on the faces of the disciples when Jesus said, you feed them. Now keep in mind, the disciples had just returned from this amazing journey where God used them to you know, bring sight to those who could never see before, help people stand and walk who had never taken one step before. So, How do you think they respond to Jesus when he suggests that they feed them? Are they full of faith, ready for like another miraculous display? You know the answer, right? No, they panic. Right? They panic. (laughs) I love their response. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And this is my favorite part. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? Like, we don't got that kind of cash. Are you kidding me? And here again, we see the disciples, See, I think we have this mistaken notion that they are these pillars of the faith, right? They weren't. I mean, this is not the response you would expect from you know, seasoned spiritual leaders that are going to go out and conquer the, the world, right? I mean, the truth is, see, the disciples, they were, they were like you and me. They were messed up. They failed more than they succeeded. They were filled with doubts and questions, And what I find so amazing and so encouraging is how Jesus responds to their faults and their frailties. What does he do? He sends them out again. In fact, this time he sends them out with dozens more disciples. And you know, if you dig a little deeper, you'll find that they never really become spiritual giants, folks. They continue to trip up, slip up, and mess up. They don't often get it, and they frequently wrestle with all sorts of questions and doubts. In fact, they struggle all the way to Jesus' crucifixion. Most of them abandon Jesus right before his death, leaving him to die all alone. And then, when the resurrected Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and she shares back with the disciples, they don't even believe her. They're hiding, they're afraid. Now, I think at this point, most of us, if we were Jesus, we'd probably call a timeout, right? Almost like in a basketball game. You know, if you've got the starting five out there, and they're completely blowing it, what do you do sometimes? You call a timeout, and you bring in an entire new five, right? Hopefully, you can gain some momentum. You'd think that's what Jesus might do. But in spite of all their shortcomings, what does Jesus do? Once again, after his death and resurrection, right before he returns to the Father, he gathers them together, and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The same 12. Well, minus one, right? (laughs) See, Jesus didn't wait until they were deeply formed before sending them out. He didn't wait until they had their act together, until they were mature followers of his until he sent them out. No, they were inconsistent, off the mark, and often driven by fear, and yet he sends them out on mission anyway. And guess what? We continue. Think about that. We continue to feel the impact of their mission centuries later. I mean, think about it this way. We we all know how to set up a race, right? We did this when we were kids, right? You get everybody on the line, right? And what do you say? You say, help me out. On your mark, right? Then what? Right, and then what? Right, very good. On your mark, it said go. That's what we say. But see, when it comes to carrying for the mission of Jesus, it's different. He knew they had to go to get ready. And see, this kind of apprenticeship and discipleship, that's what leads to deep transformation. This kind of apprenticeship and discipleship is what leads to deep transformation. Yeah, we need times of learning and, and developing practices like the tw- last 21 days. Absolutely for sure. But see, there's nothing like being on mission with Jesus to transform you into becoming like Jesus. Does that make sense? There's nothing like being on mission with Jesus to transform you into becoming like Jesus. I mean, think about it this way, okay? I mean, a surgeon, for example, can know right, all the steps in a procedure, right? But do they really know how to perform surgery until they've actually picked up the equipment and actually have done it? No. I mean, a tennis player, I mean, they could watch Wimbledon and hours and hours observe their favorite player, right? But they're never really going to know how to play tennis until they pick up the racket. I mean, a parent, a parent can read all the books, go to all the classes. I mean, Lisa, my wife, and I, we went to, I mean, hours and hours, like, I don't know, 24 hours, I think, of pre-parenting classes. That didn't really prepare us to be a parent until I came home with this live being in my arms and realize this is up to me (laughs) and thank God her (laughs) and you see when it comes to the mission of Jesus folks we're not ready but you see going is the very thing that gets us ready for the mission in other words following Jesus on the mission is actually what makes us ready for the mission does that make sense yeah, following Jesus on the mission is what actually makes us ready for the mission. And in part, it's because it causes you to be increasingly dependent on God. You, you know you're way over your heels. <laughs> and so what do you do? I mean, yeah, truthful, like every time I get up to talk like this, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's this moment of like, what am I doing? And what does that cause me to do then? Like, okay, God, like this is about you anyway, not me. So like, do the best you can. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Let me illustrate with this picture. I think this might help. You see, when we find our way back to God, one of the primary ways we experience the transforming work of the Holy Spirit is when we help others find their way back to God. We, as we live out the mission, you see the Holy Spirit then continues to grow our own relationship with God. And this is not only the path to deep transformation, it's also the way to experience incredible joy. I just gotta tell you. I mean, when you become a follower of Jesus, there is, there is no greater blessing than helping somebody else find their way back to God. No, no greater blessing. Uh, it, it was several years back, but I will never forget uh, when a friend of mine found his way back to God. Uh, Lisa and I developed a friendship with, with he and his wife. We got together with him. We had dinner, shared meals, went out together, did different things together. Eventually, they joined our small group. And it wasn't long before he made the decision to, uh, to go ahead and get baptized. And... Um, I want to read just a little bit of part of what he shared when he was baptized. He said this, he said, I came to Chicago for a fresh start and to find my fortune. The crazy thing is that I have, but not in the way I imagined. I lost my job at the end of the year, and with it a lot of income and stock that would have made us financially secure. The year ahead is full of uncertainty, but somehow I know we will be okay. And then he writes this, I love this, I have rediscovered my wife re-engaged with my children, and above all, I have once more found my way back to God. How blessed am I. How blessed is he? How blessed was I? I mean, to be just to play a small part in that. I mean it was the community that did it really, but I had a little small part. And to watch him walk that path did all sorts of good for my relationship with Christ you see in my experience few things deep in your faith like helping someone else find their way back to God it's just the way it works and and this is how it's supposed to work see we find our way back to God and then we help others find their way and that in turn helps us move forward in our own journey and this really is this is the cycle of of deep transformation and it only works though when we've got both parts working okay you've got to have both parts working finding our way and then helping others find their way finding our way helping others find their way in fact. Now, the process will fall apart if we focus only on one side or the other. And I, and I think these images kind of help you see that, you know, when we only focus on finding our way, sooner or later things will break down, right? We neglect, we neglect helping others find their way. And, and what happens then is you kind of get, you know, you get stalled out in your faith. You, you probably even feel like you hit a wall and I think what happens, you could easily slip into self-righteousness. You kind of start critiquing culture and people who are far from God instead of like trying to reach them or help them grow in their faith. You just get kind of cynical. Anybody ever felt that? I mean, let's be honest. I think we all have it one time or another, haven't we? But on the other hand, see, if we only focus on helping others find their way back to God without deepening our own faith, if we neglect our own development, okay, it's a cycle. It takes both, all right? Things also break down. You can get frustrated with people who aren't doing as much as you do. You might feel like, "Ah, I'm always giving and never receiving. Anybody ever felt that? Yeah, I think we all have. And sometimes you can kind of get burnt out. This is super important folks see when we commit to both parts of this cycle finding our own way and helping others find their way back to God and Jesus then the Holy Spirit begins to do that deep work of transformation that I think every single one of us deep down we want that why else would we show up here at 1030 on a Sunday morning in the middle of winter we want that we long for that we really do right and that's what will lead us to be deeply formed rather than shallowly shaped and see, this pattern of finding our way back to God and helping others, that's always, been, that's always been the path to deep transformation. I mean, you look from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end, you'll see it over and over again. And yet I know so many people just don't feel ready, right? You don't feel ready. And if you don't feel ready, good, you're right where you need to be. I mean, honestly, you're right where the disciples were. But you still gotta go. And the beautiful thing about community is we're, we're doing this together. You're not on your own. You're not by yourself. We're in this together. And while we often think helping when people find their way back to God is for spiritual giants like, I don't know, maybe Lizzie or Jesse, you know, the guy that was up here before me, right? No? Okay. It's something all of us can do. It's something all of us can do. Because from the very beginning, God's mission was to bless the world. He told Abraham to go. Was Abraham ready? Read the story. Was Abraham ready? No, he was not ready. But God promised that he would bless him if he blessed others. And that's why we developed this simple bless acrostic. Each letter represents a practice Jesus lived out that we can also live out to bless others and help them find their way back to God. And I want you to go through this real briefly. I know some of you are familiar with it, but real quick, see the B is for begin with prayer. We just begin with prayer. You can, that's part of being on mission and helping others is, is praying. We kind of downplay that sometimes. Somebody challenged me once time and said, you know what, there are people that you come across every single day that have never once had someone pray for them, not utter a single prayer for them. And I don't mean, you know, like, stop them in the middle street, lay your hands on them, and audibly say this loud prayer. I just mean, like, there are people that you and I know that have never even had somebody utter a silent prayer saying, God, you know, could you just bless Chase, you know? Could you bless Krista? Or, God, help help me know how I can bless them. Simple way to start blessing. B is for begin with prayer. It's how you can be on mission. L is for listen. I, I don't have to tell you, how sad it is that Christians are so much known for talking rather than listening we've got to change that folks one author I read said that Jesus asked over 300 questions and from his research he answered three pretty wild huh? he listened one of the greatest gifts we can give to the world is <laughs> to listen Man, we gotta get good at that. The third practice is my favorite. It's something that I think we're all experts in. You know what that is, right? Yeah, Luke's like, I can't wait to get to that one. Let's talk about eating. What are we doing for brunch, right? Okay, but I think we all know there's something about sharing a meal, right, that moves a a, a relationship from acquaintance to friendship faster than almost anything you can do. And what I was thinking about this week is there's there's something about sitting down over a meal with someone that says, I care about you, right? Like, it's... (laughs) Coffee's cool, right? Coffee's good. When you say a meal, it's almost like you're, you're giving up a part of yourself, right? And we've all had that experience where you get together with somebody for lunch or dinner and you kind of knew them before and then after dinner you're going, man, we're like friends now. Eating is a great way to bless people. Jesus did that. Look at his life over and over again. Shared meals with people all the time. And then the first S and blesses is for serving. And I'll tell you, if you'll begin with prayer, you start praying for people, all right. You listen, you, you really focus on listening and you share meals, you're going to learn how to serve them. They're going to tell you. And it's going to make sure that the serving is about the people being served and not just the person doing the serving, which is really important, right? And then finally, the last S in bless is story. And so here's the deal. <laughs> if you take the time to pray, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, at some point somebody's going to say, okay, well... What makes you different? Why, why do you do what you do? And then you might have the chance to tell someone the difference Jesus has made in your life. It's, it's simple, but this is what it looks like to be on mission every day. All of us, any one of us could do it. Just imagine, that even the you know, relatively small number of people that are in this room, if we all said, you know what? This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna look for opportunities every day. Might be just simply pray. Think of the impact we could have collectively, folks. We could change this community. No No lie. We could, we could change this city. And it's not only going to help people find their way back to God you know what's going to in turn happen to you. You're going to find yourself becoming more deeply formed into the image of Jesus because this is what Jesus did. <laughs> somebody told me the other day, I, think, I don't know if it was Jesse or somebody were talking about that in one of the men's group and they said, you know, this is like a remedial course on how to be a friend. But it's kind of true, isn't it? But you know what? Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Like, this is what he did. And if we would just get good at being friends to people, we could could make a world of difference. So by blessing others, you see, we are blessed. By helping people find their way back to God, we help ourselves find our way back to God. Because we all know it's a a one-time decision, yes, but it's also an ongoing process. We're constantly reconnecting and going deeper in our walk with Christ. And that's what it looks like to be deeply formed rather than shallowly shaped. I, I love this story about, about Terry I want to share with you. Terry was a, a cabinet maker who lived in Jacksonville, Florida. And, and, and uh, his business was just like exploding, booming. But he had to find a bigger space to grow his business, so he bought this 25,000 square foot warehouse on the north side of Jacksonville. And soon, I mean, it was just like humming with activity. Uh, life was good. Uh, but I got to tell you, Terry's peace and comfort were short-lived. Uh, it wasn't long before problems erupted. Almost every night, almost every night, the burglar alarm went off in the warehouse. He was summoned to the plant by police officers, and he would find broken windows, uh, shots fired, bullet holes in the wall, stolen equipment, vandalism, even burned up cars in the parking lot. And one night, an officer asked Terry, he said, why, why did you open up your warehouse right here? close to the rock, and Terry said, what are you talking about the rock? And the police officer said, well, you're right next to the Cleveland Arms Apartments. There's so much crack cocaine being sold there, we call it the rock. I mean, it's so dangerous that officers are even scared at times to go there. As you can imagine, this was fairly overwhelming, hard to understand how he didn't know that before he put his warehouse there, but he wondered what this was going to mean, and he went back to the warehouse, and he sat there mulling this over, and out of nowhere a thought came to him, and it was this. If you love those who despitefully use you, I'll take care of it. If you love those who despitefully use you, I will take care of it. And so, somewhat stunned and kind of shaken, Terry said he immediately asked, well, how? And then again, he heard what he was convinced was the voice of God saying, forget about all the shootings and all the other garbage. Look at the children. Forget about the shootings and all the other stuff going on. Look at the children. And that's what, exactly what Terry did. And he noticed a lot of kids hanging around the warehouse. And so he, he started doing things like writing, uh, kind of, well, it's kind of corny, but kind of cool. He started writing, Jesus loves you, on basketballs and, and handing them out to, to kids in the neighborhood. And soon Terry had about 40 kids hanging out in his building after school. And as he would sit at the drafting table doing his work, kids would be gathered around on the floor. You know, doing crafts or working on coloring books, whatever Terry might bring in for them to do. And as the years flew by, uh, the kids Terry mentored started becoming a part of his life. And then 10 years after he reached out to the kids at The Rock, he sold his part of the business to his partner and started Metro City Sunday School. And it wasn't long before uh, Terry approached the owner of the Cleveland Arms apartment and asked him if he would give him an apartment and then he established a community center called Kids Connection to help assist with physical, academic, and spiritual needs in that neighborhood. And here's how Terry describes all that's taken place in his life and in the neighborhood. He says, "He says there is so much to do. But I am excited and grateful for the direction God chose for me. My wife and I have gone from enjoying a six-figure income to surviving on a fraction of it. But God faithfully meets every need. And the rewards are incomparable. He says, nothing can replace the joy of having a little child crawl in my lap with a hug for Pastor Terry or a young man rescued from a life of doing drugs. Look me in the eye, shake my hand, and say thanks, PT. All of this, he says, is my reward for listening to God's voice and looking at the children. Now, no one would doubt that Terry was a blessing to the kids of the rock, but you see, all Terry can see is how he has been blessed. And folks, that's that cycle of transformation, blessing and being blessed, finding your way back to God and helping others find their way back to God. And as we partner with God in this way, we let the Holy Spirit do the work of transformation. And somewhere down the road, what you see is Christ formed in you. And that's what we all want. And man, I just want to say, may we never, as a community, right here in Lincoln Park, on the north side of Chicago, let's, let's just, folks, let's never Please, never settle for being shallowly shaped. Let's just say, you know what? Let's go all in. Let's let's be deeply formed. Let's see what it could look like. Let's see the difference we could make. Let's be deeply formed and not settle for being shallowly shaped and be on mission and in in so doing become more and more like Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion, but before we do, I want to say a prayer. Father God, thank you for thank you for today. God, thank you that, that you don't want us to settle for being shallowly shaped. You want us to be deeply formed, so much so that you sent your son, Jesus, to die. To die on the cross, lived a perfect life, chose to go to the cross, sacrificed his life for you and, and for me so that we could experience whole life, full life the kind of life you wanted us to experience, the kind of life you modeled when you were here on earth so God my prayer today is that we would would look to bless people God and turn knowing that we will be blessed as a result, that would become the, the focus of our life, of our community God knowing full well that as we do we will be deeply formed We will be deeply formed and people will see Jesus in us. We pray this in your name. Amen.